Thanks, team. What a great morning. Good to have you here uh, with us this morning. If you're visiting, my name's Scott. I'm one of the pastors on staff. That's Jake back there, and we got others around here, and we're glad you're here this morning. Uh, Resurrection Sunday. And uh, as, as we started the service, uh, we started it looking back on Friday and taking that journey through Scripture here of, of what happened over the days and then Resurrection Sunday morning. He read out of Matthew chapter 28, and it, and it says this, after the Sabbath, toward the end of the dawn of the first week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb, and behold, there's this great earthquake, an angel of the Lord had descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. I love it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothes as white as snow. For the fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, apparently they're right there in these guards. There's a scene like, it seems like that. But he says to the women, don't be afraid. I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, for he is risen. Come and see the place where he lay. And then go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. And behold, he's going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him. And so they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. The story of Easter is born out of Good Friday, and, and it's born what seems to be out of defeat. There's two Marys in the story. We know one is Mary Magdalene, and the other Mary, we're not sure. It could be Mary, the mother of Jesus. Um, if it was Mary, the mother of Jesus, she's coming to the tomb where her son is buried. Now, Mary had received a vision, right? She'd, she'd heard from an angel, your son is going to be the savior of the world, and then on that birthday, the angels fill up the sky, light up the sky, and they're singing, and, and these shepherds are coming in, and, and she knows what she's been told. She knows what she's, been, she knows what she's seen. You, you can't convince her otherwise, and yet her son's dead. And it seems like everything that she's heard and Everything that she was told, well, what, is, what was all that about? And it's, it's defeat. It's, it's over. The other Mary, Mary Magdalene, she, she came out of this horrible life. The Bible says she was, Jesus had delivered her from seven demons that were in her. And she's going to the tomb, and she started to follow Christ after that because her life was literally changed forever, and yet now he's in, he's in the tomb. What does that mean for her? Does that mean she's going to go back? Does, does that mean she's going to have a life where they, those things are going to come back and, and wreck her life again? You have the disciples. They gave up everything. They followed Jesus. There's this one moment where somebody walks away, and they're all hanging out with Jesus, and Jesus looks at them, and are you going to walk away to the 12? And they're like, we gave up everything. We got nothing left. You're it. And, and so... Where are they? Famously, as the story goes, right? They've scattered. They don't know what to do. They're in defeat. They think it's over. And, and you, you play out, I'm sure they're playing out every conversation, every message, every talk, and where he said, this is the kingdom of God, and this is what my kingdom is like, and this is how my kingdom's gonna play out, and they're looking, and I go, it's all just, what? Some flashy miracles and some great teaching, but Empty. Defeat. And the famous Sunday morning, women find an empty tomb 
angel sitting on a rock, Roman guards scared to death, and Jesus is not there. And I love it, it says they, they departed quickly. They ran. They ran to tell the disciples. Moms, how fast would you run if you knew your son had been raised from the dead? I know kids, we often laugh at parents. I know my kids laugh at me now, and they just cringe most of the time. Um, can you imagine mom running? Kids, just imagine mom running right now. Don't laugh too hard, but wouldn't that be funny? But how fast, moms, how fast would you run to tell people my son's alive? For the disciples, Jesus ends up appearing to them Some worshiped, some still doubted until that moment when they could actually see him, talk to him. And in that moment, defeat, all of a sudden, everything flips. And and now they're trying to catch up to speed. Their mind is trying to catch up. What happened if you were crucified and now you're resurrected? Something lost here. Something got defeated. And then there is defeat all over Good Friday and Easter. It's just not the defeat everybody expected or the defeat that everybody understood had happened. See, Jesus wasn't defeated. He wasn't forced to die. His goal was to die. If you stop and think about it, that was the end game. He was going to die. Something was defeated that Friday, but it wasn't Jesus. And the the whole plan is to come to save. If if it's this plan where he says, I am going to come and I'm going to destroy everything and the power and the authority that keeps everyone from me, I am here to destroy it and take it back. Then the question is, what did get defeated? And on that cross and in the resurrection, death was defeated, sin was defeated, this curse of this world was defeated, Satan was defeated. And it wasn't like Satan and him had a power struggle, it was just simply about rights and authority. There is no comparison between Satan and his kingdom and and Christ, there's just no comparison. He has all the power. It's never been a power struggle. It's never what it was. And Jesus came and he won the right to save us. He won the right to redeem us and defeated everything that kept us from him. And in the last words of Matthew and in the last words of Jesus here and in Acts, there's this phrase Jesus says. He says, look, all authority has been given me. And in in Acts he says, all power has been given me. I have it all now. I won. I have it all. Go and tell this world about my authority and power to save. And Paul goes on. Paul, there's this guy named Saul. His name ends up turning to Paul uh, because he was against Christ and then had this encounter with Christ and radically changed his life, renamed himself. And God gave him a new name and says, look, that's not going to be your name. I'm giving you a new name. And Paul writes about this idea. He says, hey, look, if the resurrection doesn't happen, this whole thing is meaningless, just like the two Marys and the disciples knew it was. It's over. But the resurrection is everything. Because if Christ has been raised, then everything that he taught about the kingdom, everything he taught about truth and reality, well, it's true. 
It's the ultimate reality. So this resurrection here is the greatest, greatest victory in the history of victories. It's not just this awesome story where he comes back from the grave. It's, it's more than that because he comes back to the grave and then he says, look, it's not only that I have victory, I'm going to give you victory. I'm going to give every person in this world who wants to have victory through me, I'll give it to you. I'm going to give victory out. And it's this standing offer that is still out there for all of us to save us, to bless us, to give us a victory in this life, not just one time, but every day, every moment to live in that. It's the most awesome victory in the history of awesomeness. I mean, check out this clip. Here a story of victory. I was really young when my parents divorced. Uh, I don't even have a memory of them being married. Um, for as long as I can remember, I was always trying to, uh, to measure up, to fit into someone's box, um, to, uh, to prove to someone that I was worthy of, of love or respect, or, um, especially when it came to my, my dad and my stepdad. I used to walk into a room and I could um, measure myself against everyone else in the room, and I always felt like I was a notch or two uh, below them, whether it was I, I wasn't athletic enough, or I wasn't funny enough, or I wasn't smart enough, or tough enough, or whatever it is, I just wasn't ever enough. Um, I carried that into high school, where um, I just started trading one mask for another to fit in with whatever group I was, I was hanging around with at that time. Um, never really feeling like I belonged anywhere, but always feeling like I wanted to belong somewhere. I wanted to feel like, um, like I was worthy of those things that just always seemed to elude me. Um, that followed me into college, uh, where I jumped headlong into the party scene at Ohio University. Uh, I started drinking pretty much every day, um, started smoking marijuana. Um, and just generally uh, just embraced everything the world told me I needed to be a typical happy college kid. Um, I used to tell people that uh, college was the best four years of my life and now looking back on it I know that that was when I really began uh, to lose myself. Shortly after I graduated from OU I learned that the real world was just a little too real for me. Um, I didn't like uh, having to pay bills and all the responsibilities that came with that. I certainly didn't like having to wake up early every morning and go to a job that I didn't enjoy doing. Uh, life had become this sad cycle of uh, going to work each day, coming home, drinking, going to bed, waking up and doing it all over again. It seemed pointless. Uh, there was no purpose. There was no direction. Um, I was pretty lost. Uh, I had hoped that marrying the love of my life would change that. Mandy and I got married a year after she graduated from college. Uh, what I found was that it, that was uh, one more standard that I fell short of. Um, I knew Mandy deserved way better than what I could give her. Um, I, uh, those bad decisions that I had made in college, they really started to pile up around me. and. Um, I was a pretty unhappy person at this point, and um, uh, marriage couldn't fix that. 
uh, I thought um, having kids would fix that. Um, but that was uh, an even higher standard that I was never going to reach uh, because of the wounds that I carried out of my own childhood. Um, I set the bar really high on the kind of dad that I felt like I needed to be. Um, but I just wasn't equipped for that. I wasn't ready for that. Um, I didn't know how to be that kind of dad. I didn't know how to be the husband I wanted to be. Um, instead of measuring up to these standards that I had set out for myself, um, I found myself as a, a guy in his early 30s who was depressed, who was self-medicating, uh, and who was pretty much, uh, had pretty much given up any hope of figuring life out. Life had defeated me at this point, and I didn't see a way out. I didn't ever believe that I could find uh, any sort of answers in a church. I, I did believe in God, uh, but the whole Jesus thing um, just seemed weird, strange to me. I couldn't understand it, so I dismissed that and dismissed church entirely. But it's funny how God works. Um, I met a, a guy named Steve in my neighborhood. We became pretty good friends and um, shortly after learned that he was a pastor, which terrified me because I was pretty certain I had sworn in front of him multiple times. Um, but Steve was great. He was uh, patient with me. He answered a bunch of questions I had um, about God and church in general. I unpacked some of the stuff that I was wrestling with and um, uh, eventually um, through uh, you know, some encouragement from him, um, Manny and I found ourselves at Freshwater on a Sunday morning. Um, and so strange, I, all of a sudden I'm crying in the middle of a song, reading the lyrics on the, on the screen. Um, I'm crying during people's uh, uh, baptism services, uh, hearing their stories about how dramatically their lives had changed. And I remember thinking, I want, I want that. Um, maybe there is something here for me. Um, I would tear up during the messages because uh, the, the things that were being said for the first time, there was, I was hearing truth about the pain that I felt um, and beginning to understand that, that what I felt was, was guilt and shame over these decisions that I'd made in my life. Um, and, uh, and then on April 28th, 2012, I'll never forget kneeling on the floor in my living room. Um, and being overcome with an urge to pray to God in a way I never had before. And in the midst of that prayer, I can vividly recall feeling like I could wrap my hands around this pit in my stomach. It was, it was, it was huge, it was heavy, um, and it had been there for, for a long time. And I, I said to God, I said, if you take this away from me, I'll follow you. I don't know what that means. I don't know what that looks like, but if you take this pit out of my stomach, I'll follow you. And he said, that's the guilt from all those decisions, and I'll take that away from you if you confess that stuff to me. And I did right away, without hesitation. I just started telling him things that I had never told anyone, the things that I swore I, I would never, ever say out loud. Uh, everything, every last thing I could think of, I said it out loud, and with each thing, I started crying harder and harder. Uh, tears just coming down my face. I was a mess. I was just completely undone. Um, I had never cried like that before, and I've never cried like that since. Those uh, next weeks and months were uh, thrilling, exciting, complicated, challenging, terrifying, 
uh, awesome. Uh, I grew so close to God um, and really began to understand who he was uh, and who I was in his eyes. Um, and as I walked with him, he began to bring victory in my relationships. He brought healing, not only to me personally, but uh, to my marriage, to my family. Um, Mandy put up with a lot um, in our marriage and I'm so grateful that uh, we're here on the other side of this. There's no more secrets between us, uh, no more hiding. Um, I, now, uh, I now know that I'll, I'll never be perfect as a husband and father as I used to think I needed to be. But I know with God that I can be every bit the husband and father that he calls me to be, that my, that my wife and kids need me to be. Uh, there's so much joy in that. Um, I have peace uh, now, seven years later. Um, you know, I used to worry that, that it would uh, it eventually wear off, but it hasn't. Uh, living in victory is awesome, and I'm so grateful um, that Jesus uh, stepped into my life and uh, took a broken man uh, and made him new. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Um, why are you here this morning? Love for you to just think about the answer to that question. Why are you here? I was talking to somebody. <laughs> this is funny. Um, their family was coming, or friends were coming, and they may take up several seats and. One of them asked, well, how much guilt did you have to use um, to get them here? Um, so some of you are sitting here, and you may have gotten guilted into this thing, but uh, why are you here? Why did you come? What do you believe about all this? Not just what you believe intellectually, but what does your life demonstrate you believe? More importantly, if you look at the sum total of your life, because we're talking about the resurrection of Christ. We're talking about the most important victory, the moment in, in you would say, world history, this moment when Christ was raised from the dead. And what you and I believe about that has dra dramatic ramifications. Some of us came here today and our story, that, that's, that's our story. It's not the same one, but it's, it's our story. Jamie's story. Not the same details, but it's the same victory. You came because you, you had to come. You, you had to be here. There, there was no keeping you back. You came because you wanted to be here and you wanted to shout it again. You called my name and I ran out of that grave. Shout it. That's why you're here, and, and you could stand up here, and your testimony would be one just, just like this. I have a testimony where God set me free from this grave, brought me out of this grave of addiction, or brought me out of a grave of a broken marriage, or brought me out of a grave of condemnation, brought me out of a grave of, of abuse, and overcoming that, and bitterness, and, and all of these things. And it's not only that he brought me out of that grave, I ran into peace. I ran into victory. I ran into love. I ran into rest. I, I ran towards healing. That's my story, and that's why I'm here. Running in and towards something, a direction and a purpose that's worth living for. 
And some of you, uh, maybe you're here this morning and, and you're living like, yeah, I believe this, but you're living like there's no victory and there's no real power and there's no real authority in this thing. It's, it's more of a Bible story. It's, it's something you grew up in. It's something you just did, and, and the church kind of taught this is a good tradition to be a part of, but the last thing you expected or ever saw in church was God showing up, and if he did, everybody would go like, well, who are you, and what are you doing here? Right? It just has no, no power, no difference. Jesus, this story, this isn't a fairy tale. He's not some fairy godmother that just kind of sparkles some dust on people. This is, if you look at this and understand what this is, this is one of the most dangerous moments in world history. He puts it now for us, do you want to be saved? And that's a dangerous question because you and I are then forced to make a decision about it. And you heard Jamie, that, that moment when he surrendered, when he's on his knees, he says, was what? The best moment, but it's terrifying. And why is it terrifying? Well, because you're broken. It's scary. This, uh, this past weekend, um, I, I messed up a finger. Um, it's working, I've had, um, working on a vice, and um, this thing wasn't working. It was broken, and I was a bit ticked off about it. Um, so I'm pushing, and you know how you shouldn't, uh, don't work angry, don't work angry, it never goes good. So I'm pushing on this vice, and my finger, my whole, the whole thing slips, and hand slips, and my finger hits the edge of the table, and the whole fingernail, the entire fingernail goes back. Yeah, and I'm, it happened so quick, I knew I hurt my finger, but I was more ticked off still at what was going on there, and then I looked down, there's some blood on the ground, and I'm like, and when I saw it, that's when it hurt. <laughs> Isn't that funny how it goes? It's like, you don't really think it hurts, and then you look at it, and you're like, oh, that hurts. And um, so, it didn't throb, though, because the fingernail was completely lifted off, so if you ever hurt, I'm sorry, I'll stop, TMI, <laughs> TMI, TMI. So how many of us have a fear, have you ever thought of, I think one of the most painful things that could ever happen is what? Somebody ripping off your fingernail, torture, right? And we think about that and we go, oh, there's no way I could get through that. There's no way I could get beyond. That would be painful and it would be painful. And I think sometimes we have this image of, oh my goodness, if I encounter God and he, if I do what he really requires of me, and if he really is this big, right? If God is really this awesome that he can be raised from the dead, he can literally die for the sins of everyone in this world and then say, I want to save you, but in order to be saved, you have to be broken, you have to surrender. And we look at that and we think, I could never go through that. And so what ends up happening is often the church just dumbs down the whole message. Well, it's not that hard. It's not that intense. It, it, no, it's just it's okay. No, it is. It requires complete surrender because he's the king. He's the king. He is God of all. He's Lord of it all, right? As some say, or he's Lord of none, right? He's gonna be Lord of it all. He's not gonna just take a little piece. He wants all of it. And I think we all know that intuitively, and so what he says is when, when you come to me, I have victory. I defeated everything. I nailed your sin to the cross. Like nailed it. That's what Paul writes. He said, Christ nailed it. Nailed our sins to the cross. 
Not only that, he said he went on to make a public spectacle of Satan, right? The spiritual powers and authorities. He disarmed them, embarrassed them, humiliated them publicly by triumphing over him by the cross. And his invitation, and you would think, oh man, am I going to get through it? Yeah, I got through it. It's okay. I'm up here. It doesn't hurt. It's, I made it through. You hear Jamie's story. I don't want you to hear that. It was scary. There was moments of terror, like, you want me to do what? And Jamie said, I'll do anything. I will do anything if you will save me. I will do anything if, you, if you'll call me out of this grave. If you really will set me free from all this death, I'll do anything. And Christ says, hang on. I'm gonna get you free. And it's not only that Christ gets rid of things. That's, that's part of it. Christ gets rid of a past, but Christ spent his life talking about what his kingdom was. He's, he told all these stories about his kingdom. He said, my, my kingdom is like this. It's like this spring of water that gets put in a person. You ever had fresh water spring put, you see it, you get close, especially on a hot day, and you drink it, but it just keeps coming and coming. It never runs out. We talk about an oasis out in the desert where there's a spring of water that is always fresh water. You go, to the, you go there because you're thirsty, you're dry. He says, my kingdom is like a, a spring of living water that's put inside of somebody who's all dried up, and it just overflows, and it never stops flowing, and it quenches the thirst. He says, the kingdom of God, he says, my kingdom is like this. He's like, this is like this treasure that's buried over here in a field and you're the only one that knows about it and you sell everything to go buy the field so you can have the treasure. You get to keep it forever. He told story or story after what his kingdom is about. My kingdom is a kingdom of peace. My kingdom is a kingdom of rest. He says, the kingdom of God is like this. He says, you think you have weight, you come to me. I'm gonna take off the weight because my load is easy. My burden is light. I'll carry it. That's the power of the resurrection. It's not only calling us out of the grave, it's calling us into a life that actually has purpose, actually has meaning. You can do things that'll last for eternity. Not just you work all your life at a company and then it's just done and what do you got to show for it? Christ gives you meaning in the middle of it. So you can work your life at a company and bring him glory in the middle of it. You can bring purpose in the middle of work. It redeems work. It redeems Life at home, it redeems school, it redeems everything. It's this whole thing of the resurrection, Christ dying, it, it, it's this incredible victory nobody saw coming, nobody really understood it until afterwards. And, and it's this promise that if you choose this offer of salvation and victory, Christ promises his peace will be in you forever. His presence will be in you. You will never, ever, ever, ever go back to that grave. Jamie's, what, seven years removed. A lot of us know Jamie. 
The story of Jamie and, and many of us is, it's not only that God in those short days did stuff, what God starts to do also is redeem even the brokenness. He starts to think, take things that we thought could never be redeemed and he comes and he starts to heal and he starts to restore. He starts to transform what was stolen, what was taken from us, what was killed. Because he's the Lord of life. Some of you are sitting there right now and you, you maybe got shanghaied into this and I'm glad you're here. I'm sorry how it happened. <laughs> and you got questions. You're sitting there going, yeah, I know, Scott, but I got questions. And the church has never been a place where I could ask questions. Let me, let me tell you, we understand that. We actually have a course here, and the, the logo of it is a question mark. If you've got questions, follow the question mark. And what it is is it's simply a place where you can ask questions and, and we have stories of, of atheists, we have stories of agnostics, we have stories of, uh, of Jews, we have stories of prodigals who've walked away from God or are trying to figure out how to walk back and they're saying, how did you create a place where I could ask the question and not be condemned and not be shamed and not be argued with but actually heard, listened to? And, and that's what we do. That is the place to come. It's, it's a meal, it, it's, it's a talk. You, you listen to something Christ says about, hey, this is my kingdom, and, and then we talk about it and it provokes questions. So, you know, we talk about questions. Why is there evil? We talk about why is there pain and suffering. People ask those questions and they need to. And maybe you have questions and you've never really been able to process them. Check out Alpha. Look for the question mark. We just finished up one course. Unfortunately, we're not starting one until next September, September 17th, but look for it. And in fact, what I want to challenge you to do right now is you make a promise. And you could say it this way, God, if you're there, if you're there, God, I promise to go. I promise to go to at least ask my questions. Do that. Why not? I mean, how serious is this like this you're talking about ultimate reality right you're talking about the ultimate questions of life how much time have you really given to it why not give a few weeks to it really pursue it make a deal with yourself right now make a deal with god if he's there according to you say i'll try it but some of you right now um you can't wait and I just, I know it. You, you just can't wait. The, there's something happening inside of you. You're, you're sensing God. You're hearing him. Just kind of like Jamie. It's not this audible thing, but you're feeling it. Don't shut him down. Don't shut him down right now. Don't, don't run from it. Don't avoid it. It, it might be scaring you to death. but it may be the best thing that ever happens to you. And it's not maybe, it is the best thing that could ever happen to you. You may be afraid of, well, what happens if I have to confess? Or what happens if somebody hears my story? Or what happens if I have to deal with it? I'm telling you, 
It'll be the best moment of your life. You have nothing to fear in Christ. You have nothing to fear because what you'll find out is that that moment, it really is, Christ likens it to this, like you're, it's gonna feel like you're dying because you are. You're dying to pride. You're dying to the idea that you could do this on your own. You're dying to all kinds of things. And you're saying, Christ, actually, I guess I'm dead. Would you raise me to life? And you'll find that in the moment you die to all that stuff, his life floods in. It just, it just does, just like that story. And it rolls on out. I would encourage you this morning, it's simply what, what Jamie did, it's this conversation. That's the great thing about it. You don't have to learn some, you know, King James old version. You don't have to like start talking weird. Like, you just talk like the way you talk. Right, you just, Jesus, help. That works. I don't know what to do. That works. You just talk to him. There's, there's just talking. You, him. And, and he just says, hey, come to me. Come to me. Surrender. I'll tell you, he'll tell you what to confess. If there's things to confess, which there is. We're all a mess before we come to Christ. And we all still... We'll struggle in that in as much as we stay close to him. He'll give us victory. So I invite you right now, don't pass it up. Don't wait another day. If he is calling you, answer this morning. And invite the team to come up. Let's pray. So if you're sensing right now that it's, it, it's time, it's time to quit resisting, it's time to quit fighting, it's, it's time. Like this life and the way it's going is not working out. And you, you are tired of living in that grave. You are tired of living in defeat. Just tell Jesus, uh, could you save me? Just simply tell him, hello, I know I've, I've messed things up. I know I'm not perfect. I know I got a pile of things that I have to confess, but would you save me? You even just confess the things that he puts on your heart right now. Just say, I did it. I just, Jesus, I know I did it, and I'm saying it now to you. I did it, and I'm sorry and receive forgiveness. Don't ask him, because he says if you confess like that, you got my forgiveness, you have it. And you just tell him, Jesus, uh, the war's over between us, the fight's over, I surrender. Lead me, control me, live in me. Bring healing, 
Restore my soul. Restore my life. pray one more thing. Jesus, uh, you, you said you give us authority and power like it's yours and you've given it to us. So in your name right now, in the next few moments, Jesus, we just release the peace of your presence on everyone. Every single person here, Jesus, would you just release your peace? You do that. Would you release your love? Actually, in your name, we release your love on every person here. You loved us, not because we were performing. You loved us when we still didn't even love you. You still love us, God. Those who follow you, those who don't, you love us all. And I I just pray that your love would fill each person here. Jesus, would you begin to show and release your strength to those who are weak? Would you begin to give people that water, those who are dry? Lord, would you pick up those who have fallen down right now? Lord, would you show how you're taking sin, you're taking shame, and you're pulling people out of that grave?